0: Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is not today.
1: And we're live. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Good. I'm ready for the story. However, it was a contentious vote and a little bit of a situation Uh, over there on the Patreon. Yeah,
0: for those of you who don't know what Alex is talking about, uh, this story that I'm going to be telling you today was an option on our most recent bonus episode poll over on Patreon, and it did technically win by like one percentage point. Technically. Technically, but I am making the executive decision that it's actually going to be a normal episode Because, and I have a good reason for this, it is a gigantic story and I could, in theory, condense it down to be one episode, but there is far too much information that I do not want to cut out of this episode, so I'm going to make it a two-parter and that is better suited for everyone rather than Patreon. And the other story was a very close contender, so that one's going to be told over on Patreon for a bonus episode. It's about a high school student who was kidnapped by her high school teacher, so I'm going to be talking about that over on Patreon, but today, I'm going to be telling you guys about a very scary cult.
1: Okay, scary cult. Yeah. Well, let's jump in. Tell me why.
0: Okay. Before I jump in, I did want to give a very quick trigger warning for sexual assault. I'm not going to get into any real specifics in that regard, but I did want to put that out there at the top. Jung Myung-Suk was born into a poor family in 1945 and grew up in rural South Korea. He was one of many siblings, and Jung had only up to an elementary education, because after that he needed to help his family on the farm. And one morning when he was six years old, some Christian missionaries came to his village and gave a Bible to little Jung. And he was mesmerized by this Bible, and he fell in love with it. He claimed that he read this Bible 2,000 times. He would climb up a mountain and find a nice secluded grassy patch and would sit down and read the Bible. He said that the mountain was his classroom and the Bible was his teacher.
1: I just can't imagine. How old is he?
0: He was under 10.
1: Like an eight-year-old. Yeah. Just ripping into the Bible, you know, and just like devoutly so. Like, just Can you just imagine some, I mean, what grade? Fourth grade, you can imagine a fourth grader going up on the mountain to read a Bible. It just kind of sounds. 2,000 times? Yeah, 2,000 times. I mean,
0: he didn't read it 2,000 times when he was under 10, but you know, throughout his life is what he claims.
1: Yeah, I mean, like what? I mean, the Bible's like not easy to read. No. There's, like a 10th grade reading level, you know? Yeah. It's kind of advanced. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I can't imagine a, a child doing that. This just seems crazy.
0: <laughs> well, I guess he needed some entertainment. He came from a poor family in a very secluded rural area, and he was working on a farm all the time. So, like, it was stories, I guess.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: By the time he was 19, he began working as a Sunday school teacher, and by 20, he was going into nearby towns to spread the word of God. But by 21, he was drafted into the army to fight in Vietnam. While he was in the military, he was able to save a lot of money. And when he got out, he used that money to buy and renovate a church. But while he was renovating that church, he decided that he would join a different church. But they apparently kicked him out because his interpretation of the Bible was too unhinged for them. Okay, damn. So in his 30s, he moved to Seoul, where he joined the Unification Church, otherwise known as the Moonies, which is another cult based in South Korea that also claimed to be a Christian cult, which is what Jung's cult will end up being. But
1: so they claim to be a cult?
0: No, no, no. They claim to be a Christian church.
1: Okay. I was going to say a cult that just kind of comes out and says it.
0: That were a cult? Is no. kind
1: of rare. No,
0: no, no. They weren't saying that. They were saying that they were a Christian church. This cult is huge and also worldwide. And he was a part of it in the 70s, which was when he started getting his own ideas about who he was and the teachings of the Unification Church weren't right. And that he was actually the Messiah, not the leader of the Unification Church. And he managed to make a breakoff group from the Unification Church, which believed that he was the Messiah as well. And this breakoff group was called the Christian Gospel Mission. They developed a set of 30 lessons based on the Bible, which very closely resembled what was taught by the Unification Church. And by 1980, JMS Church was established.
1: JMS?
0: That is the cult that we are talking about today.
1: I'm just thinking that this is how every cult, it seems, starts.
0: Yep, one crazy guy picks up a Bible and is like, I'm I'm, the Messiah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's always a break off too because they gotta like learn the game Mm
0: -hmm. from somebody
1: else and then they remix it.
0: Yeah, according to JMS, they have the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then the Complete Testament, which is a level up from the New Testament.
1: Level up, baby.
0: Or something. He wanted young people in his church. He was tired of congregations full of old people. He wanted new, fresh minds to gather at his church where they could hang out, maybe play some games, and talk about the Lord. To get those young, fresh minds, he decided he would recruit members from the top universities in South Korea. And that's what he did. All he needed was to get a few of these top students to join him, and the rest followed suit. It was all by word of mouth, but by the end of that first year, the JMS church had a presence in all of Korea's top universities. It would be like the Ivy Leagues. Every single Ivy League has a JMS presence, basically.
1: That's nuts.
0: Yeah, he was like getting like Harvard and Yale and Brown, all the Wait, Actually,
1: or South Korea's...
0: South Korea's Harvard, basically, is what I'm getting at. That's wild. All of the brightest students were basically joining this cult. And they were like listening to this man. And it didn't start crazy, let's just say that. But Jung did tours at these universities like he was this celebrity. And JMS took over university towns. At the time, no other church had so many members who were college students. 90% of Jung's followers were university students. 90%. 90%? Yes, all of his members were extremely smart. JMS had about 200 to 250 churches and about 30,000 members, and most of them were students. What was different about JMS was it was like a huge party. Most churches are very conservative. However, JMS was so appealing for people in their 20s because they had so many front groups to lure people in. Like they would have a modeling group or a soccer or volleyball, dancing, painting, any interest you might have, JMS had a group to get new members to join. They also had parties and dancing and different events like cheerleading and art festivals where there were so much opportunity to meet people and have fun. So they made it very enticing for these young 20-somethings to get together and meet people.
1: This is interesting because I'm being sold on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's I'm like it's honestly kind of scary because I could see a lot of people falling into this pretty easily. Like even if people didn't have like the biggest religious
1: convictions,
0: yes, they were able to kind of be converted anyway because it started off with like a hey, come to this soccer tournament. And then it would be like, hey, let's go do this art festival. And then it's like, hey, let's have a, like a, a little Bible study. It's, it's, it's chill. And then it would, you know, slowly progress and progress and progress until these people were full-on members of the JMS Church.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I need to know how they get there. How do you go from soccer to the Messiah? Well, I Is... will tell you. Exactly that.
0: Also, modesty wasn't really a thing in the JMS church. Like they had women in small cheerleading costumes and modeling fashion forward outfits, if you will. It was a cool place to be, which they would have to do in order to lure 30,000 of the elite young minds of South Korea. In the 1980s, South Korea was under the control of a military dictator and those who were against the government were killed. So the entire country was in a state of chaos. And the young people in the country were forming into two main groups. Political activists and the other group turned to religion to try to make sense of things.
1: Wait, so South Korea was at one time under a dictatorship?
0: Yeah, they were in a state of chaos in the 1980s, which is also a big contributing factor as to why so many of them turned to religion as an answer. At the time, Jung's teaching of the Bible came across as a practical solution to the problems that they were facing. People began to hear that there was a man who had read the Bible 2000 times, which sounded kind of appealing because they wanted answers. And typically, these young bright students didn't turn to churches because they believed in science, which is why they loved JMS so much, because Jung apparently loved science and numbers. He was answering questions for them that other churches couldn't. JMS's take was that the Bible isn't exactly the truth. It's actually a giant metaphor. So for instance, in the Bible it says, the Messiah will descend in a cloud. God will descend in a cloud. But Jung said that Jesus didn't actually appear on a cloud. He came from Mary's body and the people who believed that he was the Messiah. So the cloud is actually people. He described the crowd of people who supported him like a cloud. He'd gather a crowd of 20,000 or 30,000 people behind him and take a picture in front of them because he was the Messiah who was emerging from this cloud. But JMS's core teachings were found in a series of 30 lessons, and it was said that Jung had learned these lessons from Jesus himself. And from what I understand, the lessons are based on a numerological interpretation, which identifies the JMS as the second coming of Christ. So he was answering people's questions about life and the world and, you know, defending his status as the Messiah with like science and numbers. And it made sense to people.
1: Okay. I'm curious to hear the argument for I am the Messiah.
0: Well, he basically pulled some random dates and numbers from the Bible and said, what is 1446 plus 500 years? It's 1946. So 1446 was the year of Luther's death, plus the 500 years puts you at 1946, which means the new Messiah would be born in either 1945 or 1946, depending on the lunar new year. And guess what Jong's birth year was? 1945. And to top it all off, he was born on March 16th, 1945, which would be 316. And he said that that stood for John 316, which is a verse in the Bible that says, For God so loved the word, he gave his one and only son. And by his calculation, that means that Jung is God's one and only son, meaning Jesus.
1: This is kind of hilarious, though, because he's the one and only son, but he's the second coming of Christ.
0: He's basically saying... He's that like he's,
1: reincarnated?
0: He kind of claims later on that he's like better than Jesus. So I don't think that he's claiming he is Jesus. Okay. Like he, he is and he isn't in a way.
1: He's coming for Christ.
0: He really is.
1: Okay. Yeah, but I just, <laughs> that's funny to me. Like, I, I, wait, I'm the one and only, but also I'm the second coming.
0: Yeah, I also don't have the information of like what all of his scientific teachings were, but he had convinced 30,000 of the brightest students in South Korea that he was the Messiah. I mean, you got to hand it to him. Yeah, he really was spouting off something that they liked to hear. When members would recruit new people to join the church, they wouldn't start with Jung is the Messiah. People would listen to months and months of sermons that made perfect sense to them before he hit them with all of that. So it was a very slow progression. They pretended to be something completely benign and innocent, just like a church basketball team and like, come play with us. We're really cool. And then they would slowly engage their brainwashing techniques to indoctrinate people into the group. Also, those events the church would throw had to be incredibly expensive. And college kids aren't really known for having an abundance of cash. So how did the church afford all of that? Over school breaks and weekends, members would say they were raising money for the poor and they would sell peanuts and cards or even water purifiers, but they were actually raising money for the church. And more specifically, that money got Jung a Mercedes-Benz.
1: Yes, because we all know that the Bible teaches that Christ needs Mercedes-Benz.
0: Right. And a few members thought that one was a little bit strange, but who were they to question their savior? He needed needed that car to travel between his 250 churches in South Korea and spread the good word.
1: Bro, I I can't even imagine how many times this has happened because I feel like even regular pastors do this shit. Yeah, like the mega churches. Yeah, like Joel Osteen has... Um, his own private jet. Right. It's it,
0: for the Lord.
1: Right. Don't, <laughs> don't ask any questions. No,
0: it's for the Lord.
1: That's fucked up though that they said they were raising money for the poor Like yeah. you thought your money was going to somebody in need. Mm-hmm And then it was just buying, paid for his Benz. Yeah,
0: John and Mercedes Benz. Yeah, ex-members say looking back on it That was forced labor But at the time they felt like they were volunteering and devoting themselves to the Lord. So
1: Potato, potato, you know? Yeah
0: on top of the flashy social events new members were also drawn to jms because he was like a celebrity and like i said earlier he knew things that people didn't one former member recalled the first time he met jung he was so terrified but as soon as he walked through the door without skipping a beat jung grabbed his hand and said i've been expecting you you showed up to me in a dream and that made him feel so special He couldn't believe that Jung, the Messiah, recognized him. Like, he just knew exactly what to say to make people feel special. And, like, he was this all-powerful, all-knowing being. He was, I guess, charismatic in a certain way.
1: He had the gift to gab.
0: Yeah, you have to be if you're a cult leader. And he also made predictions that came true. Like, one day he said it would snow, and lo and behold, it snowed. And the weather people (laughs) hadn't mentioned anything about snow Oh, I thought you
1: you meant like he just kept saying like, yeah, it's going to snow. No,
0: it was like on one occasion he was like, it's going to snow. And then it actually did. And people were like, oh, my God. So he made predictions like that. And then he made predictions all the way up to governmental elections. Like he predicted the next president of South Korea. And he also predicted how each candidate would poll and rank before any of that information was released.
1: I mean, who is he getting his tips from? Like, once you kind of guess a certain amount of things in a row, I might even start questioning it. Like, where is he getting this info from?
0: Yeah, that one is definitely interesting. I don't know if he had, like, someone on the inside who was a church member or if he really made the prediction. It's unknown. But he did make that prediction. He also made predictions about people's lives. One woman came to him saying that her mother had a terminal illness and asked him to save her. He went to visit this sick mother and told her that she wasn't going to die. And she stayed alive, even though the doctor said that she wouldn't. So people were like, oh, my God, he's curing cancer. Like, he was God, literally. Anyway. But, like, what if he did? He you didn't.
1: Well, like. <laughs> he didn't. No, not he, but, like, if you could make somebody believe that, and then they had, like, some placebo-like effect.
0: Well, that would be lovely, but he was nothing.
1: That would be crazy. I mean, I'm not trying to attribute (laughs) this to him, but I'm just saying like if I were to believe that you were God and you're like, you're going to live, like would it actually do anything? I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's definitely weird, but I don't think that that has anything to do with what Jung said. I got to be real.
1: I never said that. This man's popping off in the mouth, but like he's getting lucky. He's definitely getting lucky. I'm sure we're highlighting the wins for him. Right? right
0: Right now we're highlighting the, we're doing the intro work. Right. Yeah, this is before all the horrific stuff that happens. So there was another woman who was diagnosed with cancer and she threw herself at junk's feet, begging him to pray for her and begging him to make her cancer free. And he just said she's cancer free. And sure enough, she got a call not long after saying that the doctors had basically misread her chart because she didn't have cancer.
1: That's hilarious.
0: But there's another How? thing that could have contributed to that. Her doctor was apparently a member of the JMS Church, so oh, it's there's
1: some fuckery there.
0: Possible that it was like a, a inside job. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I I don't know if that's true or not. But
1: you don't have to be diplomatic. It's I mean, weird. Come on. Are right, they're done now? They're gone. What? the jms cult no they're still
0: around oh yeah dude they're still kicking so jung would cure people's cancer or heal people's bodies with just the touch of his hand and prayer people claimed that he helped them walk again or take their pain away which was something that the hospital couldn't do for them but jms could he claimed he studied medicine in his free time for 40 years so he was more than equipped to cure something as simple as cancer (laughs) so how
1: old is he Dude, he's been studying medicine since he was 10?
0: Like, he's the fuck? He's like, making big, on, he's man. claiming he's the Messiah. Why wouldn't he claim he's been studying medicine for 40 years?
1: Yeah, I guess why not? I mean, <laughs> like, I, I'm trying not? to rationalize something that's not, but that's you, irrational, you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I do. It's ridiculous. But like, you're not talking about a sane man here, you know? Sure. So people believed he was the true Messiah because of all of the things I just mentioned, even more so than Jesus. His followers were even praying in the name of jung Myung Suk, And his followers wanted to spread the word and save more people and recruit them into the church. But the way they did that was extremely predatory. They kept a lot of information from their new followers. A lot of cults actually do this. It's called heavenly deception, apparently, which is the idea that the ends justify the means. So whatever tactics they could use, ethical or not, to indoctrinate someone was justified because at the end of the day, they were saving your eternal soul. Like, for instance, Jesus would start as a figurehead for people who didn't understand what the cult was about because they had trust in this known divine figure. So, you know, when they invited people to do Bible study, they would front that they actually were praying to Jesus. But in reality, they fully believed that Jung was the Messiah and they were praying to him. But they wouldn't start with that, you know? So once this person was in deep enough, they would pivot and say, well, actually, Jung is the guy that we need to follow and pray to and treat as if he's God. Another way this group was extremely predatory was they would allegedly keep an eye on the death notices and the paper, and they would knock on the doors of families who had recently lost a loved one because they knew that they would be more vulnerable and a lot more willing to accept the love and kindness of strangers than they normally would be
1: that's so fucking shitty
0: yeah according to one of the survivors of the jms cult she said she believes that people who were going out and doing the recruiting did believe they were doing it for the purpose of saving this person's soul and furthering the mission that they deeply believed in so it sucks but like they truly believed they were helping them
1: sure but i mean somebody just lost their mom Or something you're just gonna try and prey on them.
0: Yeah, that's the unethical part of it. It's like that's not cool. Obviously It's not (laughs) chill. No.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's hard It's hard to deal with though because if they actually believe that they're helping somebody It's hard to be mad or call them an outright shitty person, you know,
0: yeah, because they were trying to help Um, And that's gonna be a theme that we're gonna see throughout this entire story that like people truly believe they were doing what was best But in reality, it was the worst thing they could have done. Right. So because Jung was constantly being followed by a huge group of people, it was hard to meet with him one-on-one. His followers would get only a few seconds with him as he walked by for asking for advice or to ask him to pray for them. But Jung wanted to have as many women around him as possible and to be accessible to him as possible. So he tasked his followers with recruiting young, beautiful women who were over 5'5", because they needed the most saving.
1: Dude, down to the inch.
0: Yes. No, down to the centimeter. He wanted women who were over 170 centimeters.
1: What? So I guess he has a very specific type.
0: He definitely does. Yeah, he wanted women over 170 centimeters, slim, pale skin, you know, beautiful. He was very specific.
1: Dude, I am I, sorry, but I just don't understand, like, even if you're in the cult, how you can hear that and be like, oh, yeah, he's Christ, like, trying to save them. He's like, I want 5'5", five, five, you know, pale skin, dark hair, beautiful women around me at all times because they need the most saving.
0: Well, like, it was more so that women in general needed the most saving. It wasn't necessarily women over 5'5", five, five and, like, a beautiful face, but that's who he wanted. Right. But it was women in general. And we will talk about the specifics of why he believed women in general needed the most saving because he has a whole lesson around it and we'll talk about that. So, in the early 90s, a lot of women began joining JMS. It was around that time that Jung decided he wanted the village in the mountains that he was born in, Womayongdong, to become the new Jerusalem. And I apologize if I butchered that pronunciation. It was supposed to be a sacred place where people would come to worship at his feet. It's so deep in the mountains, but to JMS's followers, it was the birthplace of Jesus. He even promoted this place in massive Korean newspapers encouraging religious tourism through the mountains. He used church money to build this massive compound there, and thousands of his followers would gather there for parades and sport events, and some of his followers were even lucky enough to be asked to live on site. However, thousands of his followers who didn't even live on site would still come for these massive events, listening to Zhang preach and then sleep in tents on the property.
1: Remove the religious part of this and the fact that he's nuts. It sounds incredibly fun.
0: It looked incredibly fun. Gotta be honest. It, that's the point. It was like Coachella. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> like, it's not a joke. Like
1: it kind of is. It
0: truly was like Coachella. He was like Harry Styles to these people. He had crowds, massive crowds of thousands of people cheering for him and screaming and shrieking and holding up signs that said "I love you, Jung," and like, they they truly worshipped at his feet. And they would all march in parades and and be in like cheerleading costumes and they would be dancing and it was it was a massive party.
1: Damn, I know, is the cheerleading costume a theme? You've well, mentioned it a couple times.
0: That's just because I've seen a lot of clips of. Women in cheerleading costumes either at sporting events or at these parades or dancing or whatever like yeah He wanted beautiful women to look at.
1: I mean sure, but I'm just imagining somebody cheering for Christ, you know Well,
0: they're not cheering for Christ go. Christ, go. Uh, well, I guess you they know what I mean to them
1: <laughs> It's just a very intense Coachella for Jesus, you know,
0: it really was yeah and the people who are living in these tents or like, you know, staying however long they were in these tents were just excited to be in his presence. Like they didn't care that they had to sleep on the ground in the middle of nowhere in the mountains because they were on the same ground as Jung and they were breathing the air that he was breathing and he might even see them.
1: He might even touch them.
0: He might. He was oh, like God.
1: A... Okay. Didn't mean it for it to go there yet, but... Um... Oh, we're getting there. Did he charge them to go?
0: I don't think he charged like a ticket price. No, but he was taking their money. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, they were paying the church for sure.
1: They were donating.
0: Donate. Yeah, excuse me. Donating. Right. At one of these massive church events, one young woman kept catching Jung continually looking at her. She had been a recent recruit, so she was excited to visit this holy place and even catch a glimpse of Jung. So at first, she thought that she had been imagining him looking at her. But she realized it had been true when later on, once the event had wrapped up, she was approached by a different woman who told her that Jung was requesting a meeting with her. She had been in her tent getting ready to rest, but she wasn't going to turn down a meeting with her Messiah. She was very lucky he even knew who she was, so she quickly put on her skirt and her stockings and followed this woman. But little did she know that she would be walking right into the lion's den. She was walked all the way up to the building where he was staying, and outside the door was a long line of women. But the person leading this girl told her that she could skip the line since she was new. Jung would have these one-on-one meetings with his young woman followers and often would use the excuse of health checkups or prayer as an excuse to sexually assault and rape these women. And that's exactly what he did to this young girl. I'm not going to go into detail about what happened to these women exactly, but she was horrified by what Jung had done. It was so shocking and confusing because she had been told that he had never even held hands with a woman. But over time, women were told to expect these medical exams, and if they got one, they should be grateful that the Lord himself was blessing her. They were lucky. Jung had cured people's cancer, set bones. He studied medicine for 40 years. He was keeping them safe. Once he had assaulted these women, he would tell them that they had become a bride of God, but they couldn't tell anyone what had happened in that room. Which, when she left the room, the woman who had walked her up congratulated her on becoming a bride. She was so confused and asked, did you do this with him too? And the woman replied, you won't get it at first, but you'll understand everything in time. Disgusting. Jung had women helping him orchestrate these meetings. They were called reporters, and they were followers who were kind of his right-hand women. It was their job to recruit and indoctrinate other beautiful women and then bring them to him. And they knew what was happening inside that room once they left a girl with him because it happened to them. But they had been so brainwashed that they believed it was a blessing. But Jung liked new young girls, and if they brought more to him, they would move up in the church. They would gain a title, like pastor or evangelist. And he would incentivize them in other ways he would also give them things like money or gifts to take care of themselves and other girls he had somehow figured out how to have his victims become the perpetrators and it was an endless cycle of women and before we jump on these women they truly believed that they were saving these young girls that they brought to jung they were saving their souls and he was keeping them healthy with medical checkups They all went through the same thing. They would be confused and disgusted at first, but they thought that when they felt that way, something was wrong with them for not loving Jung enough. It wasn't until much later that they were able to understand what was truly going on and what they had done. And most of them, if not all of them, felt immense guilt after everything came out. But they were victims themselves. They couldn't tell if they were a survivor or a bad guy. So it's really sad. Like, it's really easy to sit here and be like, those women were monsters. But at the end of the day, they were victimized themselves. They weren't the bad guy. Jung was the bad guy.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly complicated and gray. Extremely,
0: Yeah. Jung liked girls who were specifically at least 170 centimeters or taller, and he liked them young. It was not uncommon for him to request the presence of a minor, and some of them allegedly as young as elementary school. He told these women that they were forbidden from thinking about dating or even looking at other men, and if they did, they would fall to the scariest part of hell. If they ever got married, they would end up divorced. If they had sex with another man, their genitals would be mutilated. If they had children with someone else, they would be deformed. He told them these things, terrifying them. And then in the next breath, he was telling them to call him Honey and opa. One of Zhang's most famous interpretations of the Bible is his explanation of the Adam and Eve story. He claimed that the original sin was caused by Eve having intercourse with the fallen angel Lucifer. In his interpretation of the Bible, JMS said that the forbidden fruit was Eve's genitals. So picking the fruit meant having sex. And one way to save humanity was celibacy. Even after marriage, nobody should really be having sex. He was going to save the world from corruption and evil by forbidding people from having sex, the original sin. But he is the savior who saved mankind from corruption and he was the perfect Adam. And because Eve had sex with Lucifer as a woman, you are fundamentally flawed and sinful, but you can be redeemed from Eve's fall by having sex with Jung. And by having sex with women, he was showering women with the Lord's love through his body. His body was a tool. He did it for the greater good of the world. He told his followers he was saving women by having sex with them, but that he was suffering by doing this. He was exhausted, and because of this, his followers should suffer as well. Female followers should take cold showers and pray multiple times a day to Jung, of course, not Jesus. And followers were told to cut ties with the outside world and were encouraged to lie to their families because the non-believers couldn't tell what the truth actually was. Even if you tell them the truth, they won't believe you because we— The JMS followers are higher than them. We understand more. JMS was living in his hometown, which ended up being kind of like the JMS headquarters because he built that compound. And some of his followers, like I said, were lucky enough to be asked to live on site with him, like the Brides of God. They built shipping container homes for hundreds of women to live in, but they lived in awful conditions. They were basically shoved in like sardines in a can. They had no personal space, privacy, absolutely nothing, but they were told over and over how lucky they were to live in the presence of Jung and in this holy place, which is incredibly confusing to these women, I'm sure. I can't even imagine the place they were in mentally dealing with what they were dealing with. Being assaulted by a man that they believe is the Messiah and feeling like they're in the wrong for not loving him good enough. And then also living in a place that is terrible living conditions, being shoved in like such close living quarters. And then you're told constantly how lucky you are to live there and and be in this place and, and have this role.
1: Right, and then you're also told that you need to be punished all the time.
0: Pretty much, yeah. You're like
1: taking cold showers. It's like every little thing to break you down.
0: Mm -hmm. But during the day, it was a party as usual. JMS would play soccer for like five to six hours, and he would score like 60 goals because no one wanted to take the ball from him. His opponents would only (laughs) pretend to defend him. The goalie in the net would literally dive in the opposite direction from the ball at times. And the people on the sidelines weren't even cheering for either team, they only cheered for Jung And the sidelines were lined with his brides, who were the cheerleaders, and they would bring him water and wipe his sweat and high-five him, and after the game, it was their job to wash him, because that was what they were supposed to do. On the outside, there would be these large gatherings cheering for their leader, sports events, and parties. But underneath all of that, he was abusing thousands of women. He would force his brides to have sex with him somewhere between 50 to 100 times a day. He wasn't always assaulting them, like, to completion, if that makes sense. It was more so, like, about power and control. Oh, my God. It's disgusting. This man is revolting. He's vile. Ugh. Yeah. Jung's victims said they would punish themselves when they didn't feel love for him in the way that they were supposed to. They prayed and prayed, but their experiences with, with him were so traumatizing, disgusting, and many times aggressive and painful that they believed something was wrong with them. He would say incredibly vile things to these women as he was assaulting them, but then claim that it was all God's love. He said that one of his missions, or a goal of his, was to redeem 10,000 women meaning rape them. And at this point in time, it's believed that he got at least very close to that number, if not actually achieved it. His brides were so devoted to him that many of them changed their last name to Jung, and on many occasions they would have meetings with 5, 10, or even up to 30 women at a time. One woman asked him what would happen if she became pregnant with his baby, and he told her that she would have to get an abortion which was really shocking to her because she would be carrying the Messiah's child. Why would he want her to abort it? But that's what he said. And that was definitely eye-opening for at least a few of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense.
0: Right. Another woman had gone to the hospital and found out that she had cancer. And when she told Jung about it, he prayed over her every day. And yet she still had the cancer. So she also was like, okay, this is not real. Right. There was another instance where there was a massive fire on the news and everyone sat around the TV watching it, completely heartbroken. But Jung's reaction was anger. He allegedly said that it was a quote unquote, and this is disgusting, but waste of pussies. And he blamed the women who were with him in that moment he told them that it was their fault that he didn't get to use these women who died in that fire because it was their job to recruit them. And if they had been recruited before the fire, those women would be his. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: dumbfounded.
0: Yeah, there isn't like anything to say about that. It's just like... No. How do you say that, think that... Get there. Get there. At yeah. all. Even close. Yeah. And that was very eye-opening for a few women, that he would say such a thing. Not that he was going to pray for them or that he was even sad, but that he was angry he never got to have sex with them. He also took all of their money, the, his brides, and would threaten them. He told them that if they ever told anyone about what they did or left, he would kill their families. So at this point, certain women were starting to want out of the JMS church. And one of them even told other members that she wanted nothing to do with them because this was a cult. I've only seen this woman referred to as Miss Huang, but in 1999, she wanted to leave. And she wasn't planning on going to the police with any information. She just wanted out of this cult. But that wasn't really an option. She tried returning to her normal life, but JMS members continually attempted to contact her and convince her to return. Members even showed up to her mother's house. But when she told them she wouldn't return to the church, four JMS members attacked Miss Huang. They beat her ruthlessly. They screamed that she had been possessed by the devil and forced her into their van to take her back to the JMS compound. After beating the devil out of her at the compound, they threw her back in the van and while they were driving down the highway, she spots a police car next to them. So while none of the members were paying attention to her, she stared down the police and made crazy contorted faces at them, basically begging them with her eyes to stop the car. And it worked. They stopped the car and Miss Huang was immediately brought to safety and filed a police report. Wow.
1: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's super smart too, because you aren't going to make any sounds.
0: Yeah, she couldn't. She was surrounded. Right. Wow. Wow. Whispers of Jung assaulting female followers had been coming out since 1991, but it took until 1999 for it to hit mainstream media when the four JMS members were arrested for her kidnapping and Ms. Huang claimed that Jung had repeatedly sexually assaulted her along with many other women who followed him. That's when the police opened up an investigation. As the allegations that JMS had been assaulting his female followers continued to grow, more and more women came forward about the horrible things Jung did and said to them. You would think that after information like this came out, members of the JMS church would be outraged. And they were, but not for the reason that they should have been. His followers actually weren't phased because back in 1981, Jung had apparently predicted that this would happen. He said in 1999, he would be on the news and be crucified for something that he didn't do. He would get sued, and all of his undeserving followers would abandon him. He would enter his tomb phase, and there would be great turmoil and difficulties in 1999. But this would be a test of loyalty, because his true followers would stay.
1: This is why... He predicted the fucking year?
0: He did. He did predict the year. Which is weird.
1: That's weird.
0: But also, he knew what he was going to do, you know? Like, he knew how terrible he was, and he, I'm sure, logically knew... That at some point in time, someone could say something and go to the police. Right. So it's weird that he got the year exactly right, but also it's not that crazy.
1: Yeah, it's also been going on for a long time. A decade or more?
0: It started, well, the church started in 1980. It's unclear when he started assaulting women, but I'm sure it wasn't far after the church was established. That's a long time. Yeah. So his followers were enraged that Jung was being falsely prosecuted, like Jesus Christ himself. And that's when Exodus came into the picture. This was an online forum that popped up as a place for survivors of Jung to post their stories of their sexual assault. It was actually created by a mathematics professor by the name of Kim Do Young. Professor Kim had actually gone to the JMS church once to see what it was all about in years prior. But during Jung's sermon, he was incredibly vulgar, cocky, and claimed that he was God. And he told his followers to not even read the Bible, just ask him. And his followers were so vocal in their support of what he was saying, repeating amen over and over and just cheering for him. So Professor Kim was very turned off by the JMS church. He realized this group was far from being sane, And at that time, he was like, I'll try not to judge so much, but I'm just going to silently dip out. He's like, "This, this is not for me. But fast forward a few years, and his girlfriend had been doing a paper on contemporary religion, and she told him how she had come across all these allegations of sexual assault from the JMS church. And Professor Kim was so disgusted that he started looking into other victims and found that some of them were as young as middle school and even elementary school. And he knew he couldn't let Jung get away with this, so he sued Jung and created Exodus to give survivors a place to not only share their stories and heal, but ultimately take down JMS. It was also a great place for people to organize anti-JMS protests, which they did. Professor Kim was so upset by everything, he really felt like JMS needed to die. Like, he hated him that much. Oh, yeah. And he actually called a gun store at one point and asked for the price of a shotgun. It was the first time in his life he genuinely wanted to kill someone. He would even call the JMS headquarters and say, hey, let me talk to that asshole. And he would swear at them. And the members were outraged that this man was calling their president an asshole. They felt like Professor Kim was literally the devil reincarnated.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is strange because this is extreme behavior on his part, like, I get why, but like you're just gonna call you're gonna shout essentially into the void and call them just to piss them off,
0: like in a way, yes, but also he was trying to get on the phone with Jung,
1: yeah, I guess so, but yeah, this is this is also a little unhinged,
0: a little, but I mean, from the things that he was hearing, like i'm I'm telling you what happened, right, like we know we can fill in the blanks here, but like mm-hmm. to hear the specifics of these assaults is terrible
1: oh okay
0: yeah like this is not that any kind of assault is good obviously none of them can be good but like he was a vile man and like there were so many women coming out and saying hey here's my story of, of exactly what happened and professor kim like felt responsible because he was like how do i fix this how do i get this man arrested and like taken right. down And so he made it his mission basically yeah and after hearing so many awful terrible disgusting things that he did thousands like over time yeah he wanted him dead and i i you know it's not that far-fetched
1: yeah i mean you could totally relate to
0: that but professor kim egging on the jms church and going after them wasn't without a cost His father was actually almost murdered and multiple Exodus members were attacked. And I will talk about that in part two, but that is something that happens. So Professor Kim hoped that the JMS members would see what was going on, but it didn't work. They thought that Professor Kim was the devil, like I said, and was just trying to take down Jung. In 2002, SBS, one of the biggest broadcasting news networks in South Korea, on their show, Unanswered Questions, dedicated an entire episode to JMS. And they insinuated that JMS was a cult and exposed Jung for calling himself the Messiah and how he used his power to assault his female followers. Allegedly, over 100 victims were contacted in the making of that episode. But when the broadcast aired over 10,000 followers of JMS gathered to protest. They believed that the devil was out for Jung. One follower even confessed at the time that he thought about getting in a hot air balloon, putting explosives in a backpack, and flying straight into the SBS building to blow himself and the building up to stop the broadcast.
1: Wow. That's he, beyond unhinged.
0: Yeah. The only thing on his mind at that time was to stop the devil. So... He yeah, he literally was like, I almost blew up the building.
1: That's great. Or at I, least I he wanted to. to. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know if he actually was like, I'm going to, but he's he thought about it.
1: How far in did he get, though? Because I feel like, I don't know, everyone has like these fucking insane thoughts, but nobody acts on him. So like, was it just like a fleeting well, thought or like impulse that he had? Or like, did he actually like look into the shit?
0: He had enough of a thought that he mentioned it all these years later. And it was probably similar to how Professor Kim looked into buying a gun. Yeah. You know? Right as all of the information came out about Jung and his assaults, he was sued by victims. And at the exact same time, he fled to Seoul through the mountains and then went straight to Hong Kong. But he told his followers that he was going on a mission trip to spread his teachings all over the world. He wanted to work overseas. But he kept a close leash on his followers in Korea by calling and sending multiple videos of himself. He would also fly followers to him from Korea. Mostly women. He was going all over the world, Hong Kong, mainland China, Taiwan, Malaysia, Japan, New Zealand, Australia, a lot of places. And he stayed in extravagant places. Like while he was on the run, he rented out an entire resort and flew members out and women to assault. But he was, like, in the daytime having, like, a pool party at this resort that he rented out.
1: That's gotta be so surreal. You're just having a pool party. All the shit's going on.
0: Yeah. And at the same time, Zhang's followers continued to go around these countries recruiting new members the entire time. Or really, just new women to become Zhang's brides. He also got in major trouble in Taiwan because he had assaulted somewhere near 100 college students at one point. And when that came out, it was a huge shock to the Taiwanese government. The entire nation was in an uproar, but before authorities could get to Zhang, he fled to Hong Kong. He kept traveling all over the place because he continued to stir up legal trouble wherever he went, and then he would just flee the country. And eventually, he was put on Interpol's red notice list in 2003 for multiple counts of fraud, sexual crimes, and embezzlement. But while he was in Hong Kong, he ran out of pages in his passport. That's how many times he fled. Wow. What do they do? (laughs) So, typically, this isn't a big deal. You can just go to the consulate and tell them that you need more pages. And they give them to you. But Zhang was so paranoid that he would be arrested. So, he went to the consulate with this massive crystal to bribe the officials. It was like a very massive, expensive crystal. And so, these consulate officials had no idea who this man was. But because they thought it was weird that he was giving them this expensive crystal for some paperwork, they figured it would be best to do a background check on him. Good thought. Yeah. So they did find out that he was wanted and had multiple warrants out for his arrest. And they told him that he needed to go back to Korea immediately. But as they printed him a certificate to fly back to Korea, he just ran out of the consulate.
1: Yeah, guys. Yeah, he left. Of course he did.
0: So while all of this was coming out in the media... Wait,
1: no, 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 no. They actually thought that they would just print him a ticket and he would go back?
0: Yeah, that he would stay put. It's not the best move, but they didn't know who they were dealing with. They didn't know who this man was. They just looked him up and saw that he had warrants out.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I'm just saying, like, if I'm a person with a warrant out for my... Did they know he was, like, wanted in Korea?
0: Yeah, that's why they were going to extradite him. Like,
1: you think he's really just going
0: (laughs) to go? I guess they were hoping. They were saying, hey, Uh, Hey, respect authority. Time to
1: go back, bud.
0: I'm the authority, and I tell you that you're going back to Korea.
1: He's the messiah, you know, trumps that.
0: That's according to him, yeah. So with all of this coming out in the media, his followers were told not to watch the news, and his control continued to grow. Like, even with all of these awful things coming out, and this was, like, blasted in the media, that he had allegedly committed multiple sexual crimes, and was like, a sex crazed cult leader and his followers were like nope didn't see it don't believe it
1: I mean yeah I feel like when you're in that deep like of course I guess if you really are brainwashed
0: yeah well they were they obviously if were if you
1: if you really do believe he's the messiah
0: yeah Some women who had seen the news thought that they would go meet Jung to confirm that these accusations were lies and then they could become his witnesses because they truly wholeheartedly believed that this was false, that these, that that it was the devil coming after Jung and he was just the best man. So they were like, I'm going to go meet him to prove everyone wrong. And they would only find that these stories on Exodus were unfortunately very true and they would have their own experience. Women would come back from a trip to visit Jung and immediately contact Kim Do-young, a.k.a. Professor Kim. So Exodus was enraged and felt like they needed to do something because clearly, even though he had multiple warrants out for his arrest, he continued to do terrible things. They didn't know where he was at first, but thankfully, Kim Do-young was able to get someone on the police force to work with Exodus, which was when an informal investigation started.
1: It's insane to me that they had all of these stories and a warrant out for his arrest. It doesn't really seem like they're trying that hard to arrest him. And they just now open not even a formal case.
0: Well, they had a formal, like police did have a formal investigation going for him, but they weren't doing enough to track him down in other countries. So Mm. Kim Young got help from someone on the police force got him to you know become part of exodus and they used investigational tools i suppose to find out where jung was because they didn't know where he was at that point they knew he was fleeing countries and they knew that he was somewhere but they didn't know where gotcha so that's where the investigation this informal investigation came in and they were able to figure out that jung was in hong kong so they were successful So in June of 2003, Exodus received word that Jung was in Hong Kong, and thankfully they had police as a part of Exodus, like I said. So they had put together a mission to get Jung because the Hong Kong police apparently didn't care enough at this point. Exodus knew that Jung was constantly flying in female followers from Korea, so they decided to basically wait at the airport in Hong Kong for his followers to land, and then they would follow them straight to Jung fucked up but smart yeah they were led into a remote area in the mountains of hong kong all the way up to jung's house and when they got there they literally caught jung in the act of assaulting women but when they called the police and told them what was going on in that moment they were like okay we'll be there in the morning so they weren't coming that night the next morning when the hong kong authorities arrived they went right through jung's front door but At the same time, Exodus members went around his property looking around, but while they were in the back of his house, they literally stumbled upon Zhang and three women that had been with him the night before. So the police are like barging into his house, but he wasn't in the house and the Exodus members found him. And they found him basically under a mosquito net tent with these three women with his pants around his ankles. And they had a cameraman there with him. So they literally caught him red-handed. And these Exodus members who were expecting to be intimidated by this man who was on Interpol's red list, the Messiah, to tens of thousands of people, they were not. Up close, he was just this sleazy old man who was scared of them. Yeah, they, he's
1: like, what, 60 at this point?
0: I don't think quite 60, but yeah, he was like a well into his middle-aged years. And they could not believe that this was the man they had been chasing for so long. He was pathetic. He finally came out of the mosquito net, pulls up his pants, and starts hitting this cameraman. And the cameraman just hit him back because he's like, don't touch me or my camera. And so Zhang ran back to his house, literally screaming, you hit me, like a child. But the Exodus team held him down and literally pinned him to the floor and waited for the authorities to get there. And then Zhang was arrested. His arrest was all over the Hong Kong news. They called him a sex-crazed cult leader, a serial rapist, everything he was. And the JMS members were very upset, but again, not because they had literal proof of their messiah committing evil crimes, but because they were disgusted at Exodus and that Hong Kong would arrest their messiah. They still didn't believe it. Jung, who was supposed to be in big trouble, just hired himself a good lawyer and paid $100,000 for bail and was released. And now he was out and the people who got him there needed to pay. And that is where I'm going to end part one. But part two is even more unbelievable.
1: Oh, so he's going to go track down...
0: The Exodus members. The Exodus
1: members. It's like this weird warfare.
0: Oh, yeah. He kind of incited warfare a little bit.
1: Jesus Christ. It's a lot. Yeah, I can't can't really believe the extent of this, the length of it. The magnitude. How many countries it spanned across... And people would just keep coming to him.
0: And they continued to keep getting new members, like, well after Jung is arrested and, like, put away.
1: But without him, like, what happens? Do they, like... He's still the Messiah. I get it, but are they just no longer bringing them to him?
0: Well, I'll talk about that in part two.
1: Okay. I have more questions.
0: Yeah. It's it's a big story. There's a lot. When I initially posted this like, just a couple sentences as, like, a description for the Patreon poll, I knew nothing about this cult. Like, I knew it was a cult, which tend to be a lot of information in bigger episodes, but it was just... I only knew the very tippy top of the iceberg. Like, this is huge and terrifying, obviously, but... Yeah,
1: and disgusting. Yes.
0: All the terrible words. It's interesting, though, that he was able to get all of these young people. Like, he was in a cult full of like people our age and younger like and he also like when he continued to go through to other countries and he was on the run like he was still getting college students like in taiwan he was with a bunch of college students like that's his target demographic
1: yeah i don't know what it is like i just what did he say like what is the I don't know, neural pathway that he uh, just keeps seeming to capitalize on. It's just so strange to me. And it it doesn't even matter where he is. The message resonates with college students specifically everywhere. But I mean, they pull you in with the social club. Yeah. Right.
0: I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. I'm sure the fact that like so many young people were in it and so many college students were in it and they were the best and brightest. That, that was, I'm sure, convincing enough for some people. Oh, yeah. And then also, many people who fall into cults are looking for answers. Like, they're vulnerable. They're in a maybe not a, the best place. And they're looking for answers. And he has the answers. And so many people are backing him up. And it's a party, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a party. Everyone is saying he's right. And you want him to be right so badly. Because if he's right, then you know. You have the answers. And everything's going to be okay you know like it's it's these people who like need that so badly and then they're showered with love and community and fun and you know they have a new family basically i mean they have to because they have to cut off their old one but like you know it doesn't start that way right like that's what's so scary about cults is that like people Mm. can fall into them pretty easily you know yeah. And, it, and it's really saying something, that these were the most educated people in Korea and like all over the world. Like it wasn't just Korea. It was every other country he went to.
1: Yeah. It's just inch by inch you get there, I yeah. guess. Yeah. It is interesting that it is top college students. That's just the weirdest demographic to go after. But at the same time, it just seems that when you hit critical mass of people, you get to point and say, like, look at these valedictorians I have. Mm-hmm. They're top of their class. Yeah. This one's a lawyer. This They're one's in a the doctor.
0: number one university in yeah. Korea. Yeah.
1: This guy codes or something.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they do.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, that's just another way to get people in.
0: And they, he was so good at brainwashing them and, like, indoctrinating them that, like, even when all of this heinous evidence came out against him and these accusations and whatever like it was so easy for his followers to just not even think it was true at all
1: yeah well i think it's like you said you know if he has all the answers then you do and everything's going to be okay and if he is a rapist then your whole world kind of collapses absolutely and that's really uncomfortable to deal with so it's easier to not
0: yeah and i'm sure it doesn't hurt that he was able to predict that in 1999, he was going to be on the news and he was gonna be sued and there was gonna be a big allegation against him. That was false, you know, like.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it does not help that he's gotten a few things really right. Yeah. But I have to believe that he got so many other things wrong that nobody noticed or paid attention to. Well, he did.
0: Like, he did because that woman who got cancer And told him I have cancer and then he prayed over her for however long she still had the cancer like he's not god he's not the messiah
1: like it's just one example you know there had to be so many more
0: absolutely well he was able to justify everything, like he was able to, you know, make it make sense. Yeah, with with numbers and with science, like he was, he literally made it make sense in like these crazy ways. But like two people, they were like, "Whoa, like yeah, the Messiah was born in 1945. Whoa, he was born in 1945." And three sixteen, whatever John three sixteen is saying, oh yeah, this is my son. Like that's his birthday. That's a sign. Yeah, I guess And everyone so. around you is like, amen.
1: I don't know. I, I feel like I'm such a pessimist or I just always try and find what's wrong with shit. Yeah. That I don't know.
0: Well, these weren't people who were looking for what was wrong. Right. You know, they were looking for religion. Right. Yeah. And he had a fresh new take.
1: Yeah, it was fresh,
0: I'm sure. But anyway, that was part one. And part two is going to be equally as insane, if not crazier. Well, I mean, he's on the revenge tour. He sure is. Um, but anyway, I think I've had a, quite enough of yeah. the JMS cult for tonight. For so,
1: so many days. Yeah. Forever, really. Yeah,
0: for about a week. Um, what is something that is good? Because I would like some <laughs> a, a palate cleanser. Tell me your good thing.
1: My good thing is that we saw Ashley Gavin live. We did. And she was hilarious. She was. And there was a proposal on stage there
0: was that was so fun
1: it was really cute but what was so funny about it is the person who was proposing forgot the ring
0: (laughs) yeah in in their their
1: coat pocket in the audience but it was supposed to be on stage it was a whole thing (laughs) you had to be there yeah but i mean you that's just hilarious but it, it was a beautiful moment and I had a great time.
0: Yeah, it was really fun. It was it was nice getting out. We thought that the show was going to be in Detroit, but then it was not. <laughs> it was we were
1: fully in Royal Oak.
0: We were in Detroit and we were like, "Uh, it's a good thing we checked so early because <laughs> if we just thought it was down the street and it wasn't, that would have been a problem." But um yeah, no, we it was like, good. We made it.
1: We have, we like went to have a whole day in Detroit. We're going to have dinner down there. Yeah. Not so much. Not so much. What's your good thing?
0: My good thing is that we are actually kind of going back to that same area tomorrow for um, the wild lights at the zoo. It's like the Detroit Zoo does like Christmas lights all over the place. And we're going for our friend's dad's birthday, I believe, is what we're going for. But um, it's just going to be pretty, pretty lights. And uh, I think there's beer tasting and like food and stuff. So
1: they're popping off we're gonna see some polar bears or some shit yeah or something you know i Maybe hope a they monkey. have giraffes but they won't they It's have too giraffes.
0: cold. what do you what where do they go
1: they go uh you know away to the warm do they're they? giraffes they're, they're from africa they can't do 30 degree heat i guess
0: that's true i never thought about what zoo animals do in winter time in michigan
1: yeah bro they're fully they have to be away or they only Do let they him get out for... they get back?
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I have questions. I know. I but, can Google see, it. You,
1: you're like me right now. Yeah, I,
0: I can Google this. But anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at not today underscore podcast. Go get some merch at not check out our patreon for bonus episodes at patreon.com nottodaypodcast not today podcast if you or anyone you know has a story of survival or something crazy that's happened to you and you would like to hear it on an upcoming listeners episode send it to NotTodayPodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com we have a tiktok that is not today podcast and a twitter that's not today podcast but the t on the podcast is a three because that makes sense It just keeps getting longer and <laughs> just keep breathing yeah yeah